This is the Gambling Gauchos. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need, money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be that day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, the money line matadors, the casino cowboys, the parlay picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. With the gambling gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Oh, welcome into the Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. The Lubbock Chamber of Commerce is only big enough for one man. And that's Kyle Jacobson. Everyone else running scared. He does it himself. Views shared here do not reflect those of my <laughs> employer. <laughs> oh, is that the bit that I wasn't supposed to tell people where you worked? Well, I think we had a good run with that bit. It's well, been you're a vice, year. You're the vice president of uh, Lubbock. I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> it just shows up every once in a while. I think I called you the memes are the other day. Yeah. Anyways, welcome in, man. Well, I would say how you feeling. We've been talking for like 30 minutes. We just um, we just interviewed Rodney Blackshear. Electric. Amazing. We will let you listen to uh, a part of that. Obviously, if you want to listen to the whole thing, you can follow along at patreon.com. We will uh, slug in some of that later in the episode. So stay tuned. Incredible. Great. Really good. <laughs> Great to have him join us here in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. Yeah. Hey, Amen. I was getting there. Okay. Didn't want us to forget. But for now, we're going to get back in the episode at the Cardinals Sports Center studio. You can find him online, mycardinalsports.com. You can also find him in Lubbock or Plano. Gear up for your season, whatever that is. Texas Tech football. Before you know it, Texas Tech basketball season will start in November. Uh, if you're a fan of a local high school, they've got high school gear there at Cardinals. Cardinals Sports Center. Wonderful parking lot, by the way. Good place to host a tailgate. Uh, the Texas kickoff time for Texas Tech versus Texas will release uh, this weekend, I'm sure. Or I guess maybe the weekend after. Ah, it probably will be the weekend after. Anyways, if that's a night game, foreshadowing, be prepared. All right, what do you want to do first here, Kyle? Because there's uh, several options on the table. Uh, first of all, we'll need to make our picks at some point. I said we do that last. That's my vote. Um, we need to talk about Houston versus Texas Tech and Tortillas and Dana Holgerson. Uh, that's one option. Or we can make fun of the Alabama band and the SEC who are so incredibly soft, they're making Texas look tough. Should we start there? Yeah. I was very proud of the Big 12 this week. 
they they played well. Everyone won except for one team. Just looking at you, West Virginia. Um, it went out and took care of business. Most of the teams even covered. I think you had a winning record in, in the covers and the overs. Uh, but Texas, right? You're kind of making fun of them because they had a slow start, an anemic offense against UL Monroe. Uh, they did not hit the over. You could argue it's better to hit the under. Um, whatever. Uh, also, we just don't like the Texas Longhorns, right? That's kind of in, endeared to you as a Texas Tech Red Raider. You don't like the Longhorns. You don't root for them. You don't say anything good about them. Um, and then they tried to leave to the SEC, right? And they're still stuck here in kind of purgatory until they do get there. Uh, well, they're inviting an SEC foe slash friend into their stadium. <clears throat> and there's this strange thing they have in the SEC called respect um, that we just don't do here in the Big 12. Uh, and Texas has given Alabama a little bit of Big 12 treatment, putting their band, their million-dollar band, way up in the nosebleeds. And Alabama was like, oh, uh, we're sitting up there? Never mind. And I loved it. I love them putting them up there. That's where Texas Tech band sits when they go. It takes a lot for me to come to the defense of the University of Texas. Exactly. But I tweeted it out earlier. It, look, you're going into enemy territory. And en- enemy territory, there's no obligation or expectation that, okay, yeah, we're going to set up your band right behind our sideline. Please bring the full band and and four family members apiece. Like, that's not how it works. I, I guess I just didn't even think that was really that controversial. Like, a lot of times... At away games, the band is in the corner of the upper deck. I don't know what Alabama was expecting, to be honest with you. I, me neither. Like, what do they want us to – what do they want Texas to do? I mean, and then the whole thing – all the other SEC people were like, well, in the SEC, we have respect. And here how here's how it is at Kyle Field. It's dead level, end zone view. Uh, the band deserves it. No, they don't. They don't deserve anything. Texas fans deserve to have good seats in Austin. That's how it works. Yeah, you're you're the opponent. Like we are not friends for the next three hours, and it's going to backfire to vacate the ban. That's just I don't know two hundred more tickets that Texas is going to sell to people wearing orange. I don't really see how it does Alabama any good to throw a public fit about it and then not take the band. Nobody would have noticed anything was a miss or a rye how Alabama just showed up. Nobody would have been like, hey, what's the band doing up there in the that's, – that's where the opposing band goes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And if you don't like it, don't show up and, you know, like I guess that's what they're going to do. Suck it up, Buttercup. Man, I did not have uh, Texas out-toughing an SEC opponent no. before they even get to the conference. But No, not at all. Holy cow. And I, I think now uh, Texas and Oklahoma are going to have to learn a thing or two about living in the SEC uh, because how far away they are from the core of the Big 12 now and how kind of country club they feel, like they're not even nearly as country club as some of these SEC schools who do it the right way and win with class. This is an underrated aspect of conference realignment. We, the fans, talk about it from the fan experience angle. And, hey, we want our alma mater to play our traditional rivals that we've been playing for the last 50 years. 
that's one way to look at it. But also these schools that Nebraska, Missouri, Texas are joining are kind of it's like that when the wrong kid sits with you at the cafeteria, yes. table, you're like, you know, yeah. what are you doing here? Who are you? Columbia is not an SEC. Columbia, Missouri is not an SEC town. Well, that's why we're talking about cultural fits and all this stuff. Yeah. And people just kind of take it, that as fan base. It matters, though. But it's team, too. And so it's like, you know, Mizzou's been there for a decade, and they're still a misfit. And sorry. West, West Virginia's still a misfit in the Big 12. When UCLA goes to Columbus or East Lansing for the first time, people are going to be like, what are y'all doing? Like, yeah. it, it's weird. And so Texas is going to need to figure out how to jive with the SEC, a conference that's been around for 100 years. And maybe start playing by some of their rules or, or whatever. But I, so far, you know, we're, we're more than a decade since the last round of realignment. And Nebraska still seems like a bit of a misfit in the Big Ten. Like, they don't have a rival there. They fit geographically now. Mizzou is a misfit in the SEC. And I don't know. I think that's an under-talked-about component of conference realignment. Certainly. and and Like, if Clemson joined the SEC – yeah. There's there's none of these issues because seamless. That's it, it, it's the same type of school as yeah. Georgia or, or whatever. Well, I feel like if you said that nationally, you might get some pushback. But why? Well, <laughs> Clemson has three national titles since 1980. Georgia has two. Yeah, I mean you're right. I'm not I'm not arguing with you. I just yeah. feel like Georgia fans would probably be the only ones to say anything. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean you you look at Clemson. You look at uh, Florida State, yeah. Like, like all, the, like it fits in the SEC. They fit. They they go to the SEC. Even Texas and Oklahoma, and, who and, who are a little more SEC than otherwise, but it just feels like it's going to be a leap a little bit. I even think A and M in kind of East Texas that was a a fine transition for them. Yeah, they're pretty close to like Arkansas and LSU. Had Texas Tech joined the SEC, it would have felt a little bit like Mizzou going oh, to the yeah. Like, Lubbock, or worse. <laughs> Lubbock is not an SEC town. No. College Station? Okay, yeah, you could convince me that it is. So. Hard segue. Brett Yormark today talked about uh, conference realignment in an interview. And the quote that was pushed around on social media says, yeah, we're looking at expansion and we're heading west. Oh, boy. Pack up your wagons. Paraphrasing. Um, he also talked about, like we're talking about, cultural fit. And then he named two sports. He said strong football, strong basketball. There's only one school who has a cultural fit, in my opinion, with a strong historical football program, medium strong, and a strong historical basketball program in the Pac-12 or West. There's only one. Oregon? Cultural fit. I'm blanking. Arizona. Arizona is not a strong football program. Well, they have history. <clears throat> Do Listen, they? Hey, border conference erasure here. W- what did they? No, they're not. They have as much history as Texas Tech does. Right. And I wouldn't describe if the Big Ten was looking for Kansas, I wouldn't say, hey, here in Lubbock. I said medium strong. We've got a strong tradition rich football me- program just I waiting to be medium poached. Medium strong. Okay. Also, Arizona and Texas Tech, the all-time record is twenty-one to or twenty to five. So, well, not okay. So, Houston has a better football history than Texas Tech. Um. Hmm. The record is lopsided. It's close. It's not lopsided. It's eighteen fourteen. 
it's in their favor, but it's not lopsided. I'm not saying that's the only metric. I'm saying it's one. All right, so was Brett Yormark talking about Arizona? I don't know why we're doing this. And to have them four to one in the all-time series is pretty substantial. Four to one. I think he was probably talking. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the number of Texas Tech wins in that series to Arizona wins is the same as four is to one. Yeah. Um, shout out Bob Knight. What we're we talking about Arizona, Arizona well, he's State. He's the one famous for it. Nobody else would, um, you know, be famous for saying that. At this point, honestly, so let me say this: nobody would leave the Pac-10 to come to the Big Twelve for easier playoff access, right? But they might still leave for more money. And so far, that has still ruled the day, or, or just a better atmosphere. Yeah, because I feel like the Arizona right now, culturally, like we're talking about cultural fits, Arizona, Arizona. Nevada I've or been Nevada? struggling all day today, let me tell you. Oh, first, I misread a tweet and just fired off the worst quote tweet of all time. That's all I was like, what did he mean by that? I thought he was oh, well. talking about uh, he was they were going to hang 50 this week. Yeah. And then I, because he said PS instead of postscript, and I was just all thrown off. Anyways, Arizona, Arizona State. I think Arizona, I don't think Arizona State. I think Arizona. Well, they're not going to come alone, are they? Well, I think you might find somebody else. Is it Arizona and Oregon? But Oregon is still waiting for the Big Ten. But I do think that Arizona I'm, is going to be approached, and they're going to have to figure out if they want to stay. Because like I said in our last episode, I don't think that this opens up a brand new world for realignment. I think it kind of slows everything down because there will be six conferences in the playoff every year. That's what they've said. I think they could amend that, though, if one of the Power Five conferences ceases to exist. Well, sure, but you have to convince them uh, that there will be an amendment and that coming to the Big 12, though it decreases your playoff odds, will increase in other ways. Even still, if Washington and Oregon have one foot out the door, I'm pretty sure there are bylaws that govern this whole thing that say you have to have a conference of 10. Like Texas Tech can't form a conference with two schools in it win right. that conference and make the college football playoff. So as soon as one of them is gone, even if it's like or like if Stanford goes with Notre Dame and just one team leaves, those nine schools or fewer, if more than one leave, have a decision to make. Do we backfill with Boise, Fresno, and San Diego or do four, six of us, however many, just go to the Big 12? I think the Pac-12 will always exist. Yeah, I think the Pac-12 will be Oregon State, Washington State, yeah. the California the State West. schools. Yeah. ACU, some of these Southland schools that have just jumped, jumped to the whack. UTEP. The Sun Belt. Yeah, UTEP. Uh, you, I mean, you could they, – they, ge- geographically overlapping with what you do, but uh, uh, UNLV, New Mexico. Boise. Yeah. Yeah. So San Diego State. So anyway, I, I think – Even though they built the worst stadium in America apparently. Can we talk about how soft the rest of the country is? Yeah, what is this? I was like – yeah, that's it's the east side of the Jones. It's 100 degrees outside. We can't fill up the football st- Doug Gottlieb, shut up. Doug Gottlieb. How's, I mean, I to commit credit card fraud, I know you have to be pretty low, but to, to completely cave from your uh, Oklahoma State brethren and go full Pac-12 doofus? Anyways, the whole uh, people are passing out and... Yeah, Taking to the good. ambulance and, and they were running out of ice. It's 102 degrees. 
I mean, that's Tuesday here. What? A, what? I mean, I get the design flaw in San Diego. There's no shade, but. Yeah, I mean, I was the at whole, a. You see, only only had twelve thousand people because they have beaches and it was hot. I was at a super regional in Lubbock. It was it was one oh nine. Yeah, I'm sure it was hotter down on the turf. Oh yeah, it's like one twenty eight. And Stanford was wearing all black. Yeah, and they weren't crying about and it. And they didn't faint. They actually kicked our ass. The opposite of faint. <laughs> anyway, I did. I'm kind of proud of myself. I'm gonna pat myself on the back here. Yeah. For the people on the stream, a lot of people think that we're trolls. We just make these lists. We're just two idiots. We also know ball. Ricochet. <laughs> I don't make the list. <laughs> we, we know ball, don't we? Yes. So this might not really fit the brand perfectly well, but I did what I think was a pretty extensive analysis of Houston and UTSA. It's a one game sample size, but do you want me to go in depth on what I found? Yes, I would love to. But first, shout out to our friends at Rahino Barbecue. At Rahino BBQ on socials. Give them a follow. Their Instagram is mouthwatering. And RahinoBBQ.com. You can order ahead if you're going out to Olton. Catch their food truck all across West Texas. A lot of people gave it rave reviews after coming out to the tailgate last weekend. It is as advertised, folks. Obviously, yes, we're paid to promote them. We would not, even if we were paid to do it, we would not promote a bad product. Rahino Barbecue is the best in West Texas. Go check them out if you haven't already. Or if you have had them already, I don't need to sell you on it. You'll be back for more. Okay. Houston and UTSA played in a triple overtime. I don't want to call it thriller because, unfortunately, it ended on a two-point conversion. Right. Here's what I gleaned from the box score and watching a condensed version of the game twice. Houston's offense cannot run the ball. They ran 44 times, but several of those were scrambles from Clayton Toon, who's pretty mobile. We'll get to that. For 140 yards, that's a 3.2 average. Their longest rush was just 15 yards. They did that twice. They gave three different running backs pretty significant carries. Besides Clayton Toon, their three backs had 15, 8, and 6 carries. None of them averaged more than 3.3 yards per carry, so it didn't seem to be one back had a good day, one back had a bad day. They put in three different guys, and all of them pretty much averaged three yards per carry. They actually ran the ball more than they threw it, despite their lack of success on the ground. Though when you account for called passes that Toon wound up running on, it was probably pretty close to 50-50. So I think you're going to get a balanced attack. And that was even as they were playing from behind for most of the second half. Pretty conservative pass game. Um, they did get a lot of guys involved, and I think they have some talent at receiver. Uh, they had eight different guys catch a pass, and actually all eight of them had two or more receptions. Only one pass play went for more than 20 yards, and even that one, Rob, was a 10-yard comeback. Uh, he broke some tackles, took it, I think, 32 yards. The only real vertical-type pass plays I remember, the 20-yard touchdown they threw to the end zone, and then they threw downfield once and got a pass interference called. But they did not really try to push the ball up the seam, down the sideline, down the field. I don't know if that was a product of what UTSA was doing or if that's just how they want to call plays. But a vertical pass game was pretty much absent against UTSA. Clayton Toon did take care of the ball. Something different than what we saw last year when Tech played Houston. Um, he, he made some good throws. 
I've I've not been as high on him as others, but I also don't think he's bad at all. I think he can I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, he put the ball in some tight windows a few times, but he only averaged six point four yards per attempt. Okay, he threw the ball more than thirty times, something like two hundred twenty yards. Right. Six point four yards per attempt, just for context. I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm I'm giving the Red Raiders the, their fans uh, something they can relate to. A lot of Henry Columbia stat lines were about six point four yards per attempt. Uh, exactly what Henry Columbia did uh, over the weekend when he went twenty six of twenty eight and yeah had seven yards per attempt and checked down to the running back the entire game. So anyway, uh, all that to say, Toon played a good game overall. Nothing flashy, nothing real vertical. Made some plays with his feet when it counted. That's a huge part of their game. Dell is their top wide receiver to watch. He's he's a quick twitch, fast guy. Very good. They also have Keyshawn Carter. Dell is the one I'm worried about. Right. Uh, especially oh, we, we know Keyshawn. <clears throat> especially with the way your DBs played last week. Yeah. I think that's a position group with the most to prove. And potentially, you know, if a vertical pass game isn't an, an inherent strength of Houston's, if they feel like they can exploit you because you're so bad on the back end, yeah. that group needs to answer the call. And as opposed to the Murray State quarterback who scrambled and found people downfield, Toon will run. Mm-hmm. Um, and he will slide and get down. He does not want to get hit. I noticed that watching the UTSA game. He did hurdle a guy. He did hurt. Okay. To get in the end zone. But, but yeah. Beyond the final play where he hurdles the guy. Yeah, he'll get out of bounds or, or get yeah. down. Um, their offensive line can get got. Okay. Their offensive line is not good. Their right tackle, Lord have mercy, if Tyree Wilson lines up in front of him, which he did several times, he lined up over the right tackle against Murray State, that is a mismatch. They're going to have to double team. At the very least, chip with a running back. If it's one-on-one Tyree Wilson versus their right tackle, game, set, match. That That's not going to work for Houston. So their offensive line against UTSA allowed four sacks, nine tackles for loss, and four additional quarterback hurries. So that's 17 plays that they pretty much blew up or had an opportunity to blow up in the backfield. The counter to this is Toon is a good scrambler. So just because you break the protection doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get a sack or something. Toon can turn that into a 15-yard gain for the Cougars. So it's not just about beating the offensive line. It's also about contain, spy, whatever strategy they want to use. Another thing I noticed, I mentioned the Lack of big play. Longest run was only 15 yards. Very minimal vertical passing game. If you look at their touchdown drives, well, first off, before we get to the touchdown drives, Houston had four three and outs. So hopefully you can duplicate that defensively. Their first touchdown drive was 11 plays for 58 yards. Took more than five minutes off the clock. It was aided by the aforementioned pass interference penalty on third and long. Their second touchdown drive, nine plays for 76 yards, four minutes off the clock. Houston was actually stopped on fourth and one, but UTSA was flagged for an illegal substitution that extended that drive. So both penalty drives, um, they had to sustain sort of a long drive, and both were aided by penalties. Their third touchdown drive was one play for 20 yards, and it was set up by a turnover. They picked off UTSA. Uh, pretty much returned that interception to the red zone and capitalized on it. So, all that to say, even their three touchdown drives that game looked a little bit 
flimsy to me. It wasn't like, okay, yeah, they're just overpowering with the run game or Toon's just slinging all over the place and they're going to score. It was kind of like a grind it out, really have to earn it and get some benefit from the opponent's penalties in order to score. Their final field goal drive, 18 plays, 77 yards, 10 and a half minutes off the clock. And that was to to end the game, basically? No, that was oh, to... Uh, UTSA had to tie. Yeah, they gotcha. went up 24-21 with like a minute left, and then UTSA got the ball back and scored. So, all that to say, don't let them get these 9, 11, 12-play drives. Get off the field on third and fourth and one. Don't commit dumb penalties. It's going to extend the drive. Because if they're not doing that, they're not going to, I don't think, big play strike you. Right. So... That's just the offense. I also have a deep dive on the defense. One second. Yeah. And before you – I don't know why I said that. One second. Um, hold your horses, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hold for that real quick. Um, what was I even going to say? I threw myself off. <laughs> oh, oh, you go back to last year. That's what I was trying to say. You go back to last year, yeah. uh, and they had the ball the entire first quarter. Now, some of that is the onside kick. There's a turnover. Um, but – they can do it. And they went forward on fourth down. They were being aggressive. Uh, we talked to Rodney Blackshear, and we promise we'll get to that interview here shortly. Um, and he talked about how uh, Dana was a little worried about the game. And you go back to before last year, he says, we're going to wreck tech. And this year he says, yeah, I've been hit with tortillas. It's not bad. <laughs> There's just a little different vibe there. All right. So offensively, they can control the ball. Uh, they will look for big plays, but they're not necessarily dynamic. Would you say that's the recap? I think so. I, I think Dell can hurt you deep if you misplay a ball or break a coverage, and he can also hurt you after the catch. I didn't see anything from their run game that made me think, ah, they're going to gas you. Now, Toon, like I said, great scrambler. I'm sure he's going to pick up at least one or two of those just back-breaking third-down conversions on a scramble. Yeah, I was about to say, if it's third and nine, you're not necessarily thinking of a 22-yard throw as much as right. – 10-yard run. So you have to contain him. Defensively, UTSA's quarterback totaled 400 yards. Now, he had the benefit of overtime, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to parlay that later into our prop bets for the game. So keep that in mind. UTSA's quarterback had 400 total yards. Now, at, at most, that's 100 and, uh, at most, that's 75 yard, extra yards, right? So you had 325. Yeah. Because you started today, at 25 at most. They kicked a field goal. Yeah, they kicked overtime. a field goal in overtime. So. so really, at most. It's called 350. Yeah. Which you're getting ahead of me on what Sorry. the uh, prop bet's going to be, but it's okay. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, UT, or Houston's defense, excuse me, surrendered just 40 yards rushing on 20 carries to UTSA's running backs. UTSA's longest carry from a running back was just eight yards. Now, same deal. It's kind of like looking in a mirror. UTSA's quarterback was able to scramble. I think he had about 70 rushing yards. Most of that not on design runs. The quarterback accounted for their longest run and accounted for more yards rushing than that. But same deal. Houston's defensive front looks very solid against um, like a traditional run block scheme. So that's another big position group that I think needs to answer the call. The offensive line against Houston's defensive front. Not only being able to run the ball so that we can maintain a balanced attack, but I think Houston's also going to try to get after the quarterback you're already on a pretty young, inexperienced guy, backup quarterback who maybe didn't see as many reps in fall camp. So it's going to be a big deal for them to help keep the pressure off of Donovan. Okay. Oh, and they uh, 
they call themselves Sac Avenue. Did you see that? I did see that. I saw Joey allude to that. Just we're going to file that away for yeah. post game maybe. I think that their defensive front is very aggressive. I think they're good enough to do it most times. What I think they might be vulnerable to are screens, misdirections, and deception from the offense. Now, if you could cook up an offensive coordinator in a laboratory for me, Rob, to give a bunch of defense, eye candy, misdirection, motion, different looks, it would come out looking a little something like Zach Kitley. Oh, I thought you were going to say Cliff Kingsbury, but yeah, Zach Kitley. Well, yeah, the apple doesn't fall far. (laughs) Right, right. So I I feel confident about that, you know, because some of this is going to come down to obviously coaching and scheme. I think if the personnel holds up, I think Kitley's going to be able to scheme against this defensive front and hopefully exploit that a little bit. Last couple notes, special teams. Houston had a punt return for a touchdown, called back due to a block in the back. I don't know how um, impactful that – sometimes that penalty happens 20 yards away from the ball and he would have scored anyway, but you still got to call the penalty. The issue was the punter outkicked his coverage. UH's return man had it with 15 yards of green space in front of him before the first defender, and that's, that's a nightmare no matter who the punt returner is. I don't see that happening with Austin McNamara, but it's just something to note. They do have a dynamic punt returner. He certainly can outkick the coverage, but he's a he's a really good punter. Right. Uh, speaking of Austin McNamara, the video <laughs> with him and Zach Kitley today. Great stuff. So good. Hey, Austin, you're you're awesome, but uh, nobody's coming to watch you punt except for the other team and your mom. Yep. He's like, <laughs> all right, thanks, coach. Appreciate it. So good. Yeah, and we got a similar comment back at the uh, kickoff dinner that you and I went to. I think Joey said something. He was like, yeah, our punter's great. I hope we never see him, but he's the best in the country if we do have to use him. Um, they Their punter, I think, punted four or five times, 45-yard average. He can boot it just like McNamara. So I think the field position game, I think UH can play that game if they want to. And it seemed like they had a good field goal kicker, only one or two attempts, but he looked solid. So – all that to say, I think that third, especially in a close game, that third uh, side of the ball, so to speak, could be a factor. And I trust, I trust Texas Tech's kicker or uh, kicking situation because they've been rotating, but both look good. Punter is good, but you've got to you got to play mistake free ball on special teams. I think. So my keys to the game to sum all that up. I've been rambling. I want to get your thoughts on all this. Keys to the game: Texas Tech's defensive line has to win. The U of H offensive line doesn't look that good to me. And I also want to say, for as good as Houston's defensive front appeared in the UTSA game, I reached out to somebody who covers UTSA and said, was there something going on? Did they just out-scheme you? Did they out-talent you? What's the deal? He said, three of our top four offensive tackles were out that game. We had a walk-on starting at right tackle. So Not ideal. Now, Texas Tech doesn't exactly have a ton of experience on the offensive line against this level of competition. Your right tackle, Monroe Mills, I think played his first career game last week against Murray State. But all that to say, a full-strength UTSA offensive line might have looked a little bit better, might have been able to generate more push trying to run the ball and average more than two yards per carry like they did. But that's a huge position group to watch. No big plays. That doesn't seem to be what Houston tries to do, so you can't give it up through pass interference penalties, lapses in coverage. Look, if they're not going to – you know, some teams are going to try to go vertical on you. And, you know, sometimes that's just a, they're going to get theirs at a certain point. But if Houston isn't even trying to do that, you can't let them turn a, a screen pass into a 50 yard run right. because of broken tackles or something like that. Um, 
have to succeed at running the ball on offense. Got to stay balanced, I think. And turnovers and penalties will be the equalizer. Tech is a better team, in my opinion. So don't give it away with a boneheaded play that results in a turnover, a penalty on third or fourth down when you're trying to get off the field. I think that's kind of what Houston... Houston doesn't beat UTSA without a timely turnover. Right. A couple timely penalties. UTSA lost that game more than Houston won it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Would you also say it's fair, and I think your analysis there reflects it, that Tune can throw downfield, but doesn't necessarily have the arm strength to be dynamic down the field? I think he's a better intermediate passer. Like I said, he put the ball in a tough spot on the 20-yard touchdown pass that he threw. Mm -hmm. The guy was not open. But he put it in a great spot, and it was a touchdown, and it was a good-looking ball. Like I said, the only other time they really tested downfield that I saw in this condensed version of the game, it was just you know a go-route down the sideline. They get a pass interference called. But yeah, certainly not a ton of post routes, seam routes. That does not seem to be their bread and butter. And one last thing on that, you might say, well, it was the first game. They're not showing much. They were down by 14 in the second half. They were doing whatever it took to win the game, yeah. and they still weren't showing any of that. Yes, and they scored 14 against UTSA a good chunk into the game. They had to score several, uh, what, 10 points in the fourth quarter to even take a lead? They scored... At least 10 in the fourth they quarter. They scored 17 to take the lead. 17 unanswered. Right. And then UTSA got a field goal to send it to overtime. I don't think that you'll start with eight straight touchdowns like you did last week. Um, But I think you will be able to move the ball. I don't... I don't think this Houston team is as good as last year's Houston team. They have a lot of returners. Um, They have some key differences. And I just, for whatever reason, I just do not feel like last year's team converts to this year. Now, throw out the record and the, it's a rivalry game. Throw out the records. Throw out the previous week. It's all brand new here in Lubbock. But, I just feel like uh, you put better tape on the screen, and I think that will be reflected. Obviously, value of opponent transfers a little bit, but I think everything everything you said is true. I think your defensive line is a bad matchup for their offensive line. Mm-hmm. And your weaknesses right now don't reflect their strengths. Right. Uh, because if Clayton Toon can stay alive for five seconds for a guy to get open – like Murray States did, like then what we said about the defensive line being a big mismatch isn't true. Are you tuning on a cough drop? No. Oh, thought I heard something clicking around. You did. It's a straw. Oh, okay. I, I have an oral fixation. The reason I asked is on our Gaucho's After Dark Spaces Saturday night. Oh, yeah, you can hear it. Yeah. I had a cough drop. Didn't even like notice in the moment, but I was as I listened to the playback, I was like, man, I was clicking that thing around the whole time. I also forgot to clip the whole first 35 seconds of that. So it's just, it's just you, you like clicking on your laptop. No, that's you. You clicking something because I wasn't even I in. Think it's, well, I, I wasn't know. even in the space yet. No, I know. But I, I think when you ripped the recording something, I don't know. I started oh, talking pretty much immediately. I guess it was. Yeah. Maybe I did. Maybe I ripped the episode. I forgot to rip. The, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I guess it was me. <laughs> One more thing I'll say that you reminded me on. Whoops. Uh, I alluded to UTSA sacked tune four times, nine tackles for loss. I'm, I'm sorry, three ta- three sacks, nine tackles for loss, four additional quarterback hurries. A lot of that wasn't because they were bringing the house or had some 
really cool stunt or corner blitz or anything spicy. Some of that was a four-man rush, and all four of them got to the quarterback. I think there's some pretty serious deficiencies on U of H's offensive line, which also might speak to why they're not trying to go downfield. If you can't block for four seconds, you can't go downfield. People hammered David Yost for that, but hey, if a bubble screen is the only thing your quarterback has time to throw, then that's pretty much all you can call. So I say that only to say that I think the linebackers can hopefully focus on spying Tune, contain, taking away some of that intermediate game that Tune is good at. Yeah, I don't think you need to bring the house to get to him, especially with a guy like Tyree Wilson anchoring the defensive line. Now, everything you've said today leads me to believe that your pick is going to be by 24. Um, I, I think you do have to throw in a little bit of, yeah, but it's Houston. Yeah, but it's in-state. Yeah, but they're coming to the Big 12. Yeah, but it's Dana. And I know you beat him by 17 last year with arguably a worse team in the red and black and a better team in the red and white. Am I just hedging? Am I trying not to just say that this is going to be an absolute donkey stomp? Because it certainly feels that way. I really don't know, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but it's just been so long since I was confident about Texas Tech football. This is an unfamiliar. Right. I'm like, am I allowed to do this? Can I predict a blowout? Because I've never predicted a blowout other than like Kansas or FCS. Right. And even an FCS team, you couldn't blow out in the last couple of years. So I, I don't know. It's like, you know, am I am I being a homer? Am I being too optimistic? No, I think that's probably a a bet a, or close to a best case scenario. You know, if Tech doesn't play well, if their if their defensive secondary gets as gashed as they did on a few plays versus Murray State. You know, four throws from Clayton Toon could be the end of your day. But yeah, I mean, I uh, we'll get to the picks. I don't want to spoil that, but I am confident for the first time in a long time, and it's it's a bit of a strange feeling to deal with. I don't think I think there's some issues still. Yeah, not perfect everywhere, but I I'm pretty freaking confident. I mean, I also think you're still recruiting, and we'll get better in some areas. And yeah. every time I see a Baylor beat writer say, you know. 33 players ran faster than 20 miles per hour during that game. It's like, okay, that's Texas Tech in four years. Because all those athletes were recruited by Blanchard and McGuire and Nance. And those three gentlemen, and I know Baylor says it's overplayed that we say this, but those three dudes are recruiting in Lubbock now. Um, before we get to our picks, do you have anything else about this game? Well, so I was going to say. In particular? No, like before we get to our picks, wanted to play a quick segment from our interview with Rodney Blackshear, Texas Tech Hall of Famer, two-time Southwest uh, All-Southwest Conference. Didn't know this tie-in. I'm, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but when he set a record against the University of Houston for Southwest Conference receiving yards, uh, one of the DBs he was going against for the Cougars is one Kenny Perry, your current special teams coach. And running backs coach. Are we going to play that? Clip. I think so, and uh, so that's why I wanted to interject and warn our listeners some PG thirteen language. Okay, yeah, so if the you family got family program, but yeah, just I, I think some people listen with their kids sometimes, or wives, or mothers in law who might be sensitive to that kind of thing. So right, it's nothing like too bad, but just if you're like blaring this in public or something, right. just a little FYI. I guess we'll just go right out of the gates. Can you take us back to that game and, and that performance and what that meant to you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was uh, I mean, that was my senior year in Tech. Uh, 
had broke my leg the first game of the year, so I missed about three and a half, four games. Wasn't quite having the year that I wanted to, but, you know, we started off slow at the end. We kind of put things together, and we had a legitimate ch- chance to go to a bowl game. You know, back then it wasn't uh, a, a, a allegiance to a bowl game based on the conference. You had to outright earn it. And so we had opportunities to beat Baylor and beat Arkansas at the end of the year, who were tied for second. Uh, all we had to do was win that Houston game we make it a bowl. So, you know, I was at home. My family was there. My dad, first time ever watching me play. And uh, it's, it's ironic that Coach Perry was one of the DBs. A lot of people don't know that. He was one of the DBs for U of H back then when I when I broke that record. And three games, you know, I, I know you guys kind of met, met Coach Perry and not, but he was a can – I, can I curse on the radio here with you guys? Yeah, yeah. you're good. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, he was a shit talker back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little bit short-ass white dude that can play some damn football, but he was a shit talker. He was talking noise pregame, and I kept reminding him, I said, guys, y'all talking all this shit, but this is my house. This is my home. See, yeah. see those stands, people going to be cheering for me. And so, you know, obviously, a lot of back and forth going on uh, pregame and third play of the game, I went to 95 yards on that ass. I, I let him know, again, this is my house. <laughs> and it, and it was a shootout. I mean, it was a great game. Uh, you know, we ended up playing it to, you know, 52-46 win. Uh, my family was there to watch it. And again, you know, we, we, we didn't get the bowl game, but that became our bowl game. And that's kind of how we looked at it. That, that last game, we talked about it beforehand. If we don't get a bowl game, let's make this one ours. And we did. Yeah, and I imagine after going off for 250-plus yards that you got to – that you, you probably had the opportunity to, to talk some shit back to Kenny Perry. Oh, a whole lot. I mean, he, he, they disappeared on me after the after the halftime. Yeah, they start putting. I, I was one of those guys. I would tell those those freshmen. I said, "Don't worry about it. By the end of the day, you'll get the chance to play. Come a bunch of your boys' ass so bad they have to put you in the game." So that was one of my things. I always told the young guys. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, so it was. It was it was fun. And that's obviously a career highlight for you. Also, you're the notably the first person to return a kickoff for a touchdown against the 12th man unit, uh, basically yeah, ending the, the 12th the man. Only, the only person. Oh, well, yeah, because they, they closed it down after sir. you, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that was another, you know, obviously, you know, great moment. Unfortunately, we didn't win the game, but. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, with Coach Dykes, you know, we have this weekend, and it's his reunion, even though he's no longer here, but it's been on. He was one of those coaches as a head coach. He really believes in special teams. And leading up to that game, all, you know, two or three games before that, he kept on reminding me, saying, we got a chance to make it. I think we can get the 12th man this year. You know, he knew that coming out of high school, and it was one of the schools that recruited me. And, you know, he basically stole me away from him. Yeah. And so he was just reminded me, this is why we brought you. We want you to not, not be a part of that tradition. We want you to break that tradition. And like I said, you know, we planned it. You know, Coach Knight did a good job of uh, us mentally prepared because those games against a and and Texas back in the old Southwest Conference, especially at home, so we, we had a, a mentality that we couldn't lose to. We was going to find a way to beat them, set them up at least for that year. You know, and it was, it was one of those games, like I said, it was on the road, but it was outstanding uh, blocking by my teammates. You know, we just talked about it and made it come to fruition. So it was a great moment for me. 
I do want to get to the, the rest of your career, but I, I want to fast forward a little bit to 2013. Uh, you're inducted into the Texas Tech Sports Hall of Fame. One of the one of the early inductees after the kind of the new uh, Hall of Fame gets come uh, initiated, I guess. And I've heard other uh, alums talk about how there was kind of a gap in Texas Tech history where they didn't reach back out to alums. But over the last few years and, and maybe the last decade with the Hall of Fame and the Ring of Honor, uh, how would you say that's improved? And, and you also mentioned the Spike Dykes reunion. I, I wanted to talk to you about that, too. The, I guess the camaraderie of that team still so many years later. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I, I've always tried to do with myself and uh, Rodney Allison were actually two finalists in that position when they created it in uh, 2013. And, and one of the things that we kind of did is just we talked about no matter which one of us get this job, we're going to do everything in our power to grow and make it better and, and, and make it inclusive to make sure these guys understand that, you know, our blood, sweat, and tears because us and Rodney played 10 years before I did. And you know, hell of a player, you know, Hall of Famer as well. And we just talked about we need to find ways to make sure these guys, not just football players, but everybody involved with Ted Athletics understand that this is this our school skill. You know, we're not ex letterman, we're letterman. I mean, that being said, we can, we help carry on the tradition. We're ambassadors for the school in any setting, at any time, and just have that pride about ourselves as we, you know, move around doing whatever we do in our careers, but always have that very, very pride. And it just once once that you know, the double G varsity club was created, it kind of you know it did spark those things off. And again, we hadn't had a ton of great seasons during that time period. But, but the thing still grew because the pride that comes from being a Red Raider, you know, athlete, uh, no matter what time frame you play, uh, what sport you play, it, it's one of those things. We're, we're out in the middle of nowhere. I tell people all the time, Lubbock is an oasis. You got to go through all these little small towns and you get to this beautiful place called, you know, L.A., Lubbock area, as we used to say back in the old days. <laughs> you know, it's, it's what, all we got to do is get these people on campus and, and meet the people in the neighborhood, I mean, excuse me, in the city, in that, that West Texas. And they so welcoming. You know, I'm from Houston, Texas. You know, got graduated in 87. You know, I'm an inner city kid. You know, West Texas is the furthest thing you think I want to go play. But once I showed up in town and got to meet the people and Coach Likes, man, it was, it was a beautiful thing. It was easy for me to want to commit to Texas. And that's the thing. Once you get out there, you see what it's all about. I, I didn't know that that you were uh, that you and Rodney Allison were the two finalists for that job when it was created. And uh, I swear, before this interview, I told Rob, I said, you know, if one day that job was open, Rodney Blackshear would be perfect for it because you know this whole time uh, over the last several months when we did our countdown to kickoff and we're you know highlighting players from every era, both sides of the ball. You know, you always chimed in and. You know, you either knew the guy or knew somebody else who wore that number or something like that. And so I knew that yep. your, you know, your alumni network must have been pretty uh, extensive. And so I think it's really cool because, you know, there are some guys and, you know, everybody has their own path. But I think a lot of guys play here and then they kind of move to Dallas or wherever. Yep. And, you know, they kind of don't seem like they have any ties to the program. And so it's really cool to see a guy like yourself who, you know, played 30 years ago, still so involved in the program. Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things is obviously, you know, I, I came back about four different times for different reasons after my playing career. You know, I, I came back after I finished playing our minimum as a student assistant in 2002. Uh, came back in 2006 to, to be the arena team. I stayed there until 2009. 
then I came back again in 2014 to, to be the head coach at uh, Trinity Christian there. Uh, was there for two years. So I always came back. I'm one of those old school guys that when I see the, the newer generation or the older generation, we have a function. I say, hey, man, give me your number. You know, we, we, we both played for the same school, same locker room, same football field. I know we didn't play together, but we did. You know, yeah. our, our, our whatever is transcends time. I want your number. And I always keep in contact with guys. You know, I always ask guys to uh, give me their, uh, send me information. You know, I, I created a page on Facebook called SWC Ballers that's from the Southwest Conference era. And what I tried to do with that is the same thing we did with the Double Team Warriors Club. And it wasn't just meant for football. It's just obviously it's a football dominant deal. But we, especially during the time of the pandemic when COVID first hit, and it just kind of gave us some relief. Guys were, you know, that were enemies became friends. All the old Southwest Conference schools, we just shared different stories about different coaches, different eras, and it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And that's that's the thing about sports, and I tell people that all the time. It, 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 it doesn't matter how rich, poor, wealthy, handsome, ugly, whatever you are. When you play sports, you're all part of one one unit. And, and and you forget about those other things. You for that two hours practice time. I love practicing as much as I did playing back then, and I still do as a coach. It's, it's, it's the time when you really get to figure out people and learn things about each other that you may not know otherwise. Like I say, I, you know, I, I don't know if you guys uh, know Mark Snodgrass. He, he's a lawyer in town. Uh, he was from Stephenville, Texas. I'm from Houston, Texas. And our sophomore year, we decided to become roommates. Now, he's as, as country as they come. His nickname was Butterweed. He dips stuffs, tobacco, all that stuff. And I'm, again, I'm a inner city kid that used to wear penny loafers with no socks, you know, plaid shirt, you know, pants tucked in. And he was just country as they come. And we, cra- we got along great. And all those guys that are our teammates are something. Like, man, why are y'all roommates? I said, shit, we go. I said, I said, he and I are the same. We're both teammates from the same team. We, we, we looked at around and saw that, okay, hey, who should be. You know, we, we we were asked to pick your roommate that second year. And I just hey, man, you want to be roommates? I said, yeah, yeah. And it just you know, it just sparks up within that team from our class, that class of '87, that made us all closer because it, like we just brought that whole group together. And you know, again, our senior didn't end the way we wanted it to, but we had a really good group of guys that that, that finished up. We were Coach Dykes first for two class. And, and, and that's something I pride myself on all the time. I always tell people that, you know, I was a part of that very first group that he recruited that he wanted to set the tone for his era. And now, with Coach McGuire, he has that same type of thing going on. And I'm just happy that they chose this from all the old SWC rival that will be coming into the Big 12s to help, you know, bring us back to show that we support this university 100% no matter what the outcome is of any sport you get because, you know, this this is our school. That was Rodney Blackshear. Uh, incredible conversation. If you want to listen to the rest of it, patreon.com slash gambling gouches. We also asked him about um, some NIL dealings and it's past the statute of limitations, but if the NCAA did call, uh, do you know anybody that Rodney could reach out to to maybe uh, navigate those waters with, with NIL? Yeah, he would call Barnett, Howard, and Williams, our sponsors of Gaucho's After Dark during football season. And I bet they would 
if, if Rodney went to bhwlawfirm.com, I bet he could find some assistance there. And uh, yeah, I think he'd win that case. Yeah, I think so. And, I, this has been, you know, I'm not, I've, you were like doubling down. It's been 30 years since you were in Lubbock. <laughs> it has been. I know, but you were like, I didn't say really it like rubbing that. It, rubbing it in. Man. I didn't say it like it's that. It's been 30 years since you I and didn't your say team. it like that. Roll the tape. No, but seriously, uh, some funny stories about some throwback NIL deals. Rodney Blackshear was on the team that went to Japan to face Barry Sanders. Really funny story about that. Um, we, you know, as a sports gambling podcast, y'all have heard me ask some of our guests, like, hey, when you coach or when you played, did you even know what the spread was? And we've gotten, I think, now the full spectrum of answers. Because when we talked to Norrence, he said, I don't even know what you're saying to me right, right now. Like, I don't know what a spread is. <laughs> right. And then Rodney had kind of a pretty opposite answer to that. Yeah, at least with uh, a, teammates, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to download the full interview to get the full story there. But he was a great interview. It was a lot of fun. Incredible. Okay, so let's do prop bets for the okay. Houston game and then round the Big 12 and bring this puppy home. So, as I alluded to earlier, I had a prop bet related to quarterback total yards. UTSA's quarterback was a dual threat, had a good game against Houston. Donovan stepping in to be QB1 with Tyler Shuck's injury. Over or under 365 total yards for young Donovan. 360? 365. Total yards. Mm -hmm. That'd be rushing and passing and receiving. If we see one of these two quarterback formations. Joey doubled down this week. That uh, The only play they're taking out of the playbook is that three quarterback play. I'm really dying to know what the, <laughs> what the heck that was. Well, maybe in week nine we'll know. Um. So I looked at some Donovan Smith stats. I believe that would be close to or a career high, 365 total yards. Maybe the but, Iowa State game was there. But the tempo that Kitley right, wants right, to right. play at oh, yeah, for sure. looks very different than Cumbies. 100%. Um, and if you just take the, you know, the middle third that he played and do that three times, you know, that's... <laughs> that's there um yes over i think i'll show you on that i think houston's gonna try to play ball control but our tempo was insane against murray state and donovan really didn't even get to experience most of that just based on the point of the game when he came in but i could see us Especially if it does turn into a shootout, if your defense does struggle, you might have 14 possessions. Was the I mean, you had a 69-49 game the last time they yeah. were here. Yeah. Was the tempo insane or was it just incredibly efficient? Because there were very few missed plays. Mm -hmm. And so if you have if you go four for seven on a drive and it's a you know, four completions for a touchdown, you go down the whole field, well, it's a seven play drive. But if you're four for four going down the field, you have three less plays. It feels a little faster, but the tempo is the same. That, yeah. Let me say, I think you were, you were fast, but you were also just incredibly efficient. No, you're right. Cause it's one of those things. If you're running tempo, you're like, everybody get on the ball, get on the ball, get on the ball. And you, yeah. you, you run it and get stuffed for zero yards. It's like, why the hell do we go tempo? And, and that did not happen. At least that I recall, if it did happen, not much, but I'm going to, you're saying over. Yes. I'll say over as well. I mean, I, slight lean, but yes. If he goes under, I think – if he goes under by a significant margin, I think it either means Houston was effective at playing ball control. Yes. 
or he didn't play that well, both of which would be, you know, not a very ideal outcome for Texas Tech. Much closer game. Turnover margin in Tech's favor by one, over, under, or push. It just felt a little too much to go one and a half or yeah. half. Um, that's that's straws and one. I'll say push. Me. I'll say you, push. Can you? Because you're because the headphones. Yeah, can you? I don't think you can hear. It. Can you be done with that? Yeah, I'll be done with it. Okay. Can you just swallow that? Yeah, I'll swallow. It. Okay. Sorry, what did <laughs> you say? Swallow it. Over under or push? I was so distracted by the straw. <laughs> um, I said push. Are you going to be able to recover? I'm going to go over. Okay. And here's why. I think a disruptive D-line causes turnovers. It forces bad throws. Uh-huh. It forces strip sacks. And so I'm I'm bullish on that. I'll go over. Clayton Toon, last season when you played Houston, I think he was a few yards shy of being the Cougars' leading rusher in that game. Last week against UTSA, he was their leading rusher. Yes or no, Clayton Toon will be their leading rusher on Saturday. Um... Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I think, if anything, one of your strengths at Texas Tech is going to be the run defense. Um, so I think if if they get anything going, it's going to be because of Clayton Toon running away for his life and, and getting a few, maybe a one or two big run. Um, they really didn't rush for many yards last year, period, right? No, they had to abandon it entirely at some point. They're in the second half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say no. I don't think they're going to have a ton of rushing yards. I think if you get a few sacks, especially if they're long sacks, you might sack them for you know negative 20 yards total. Even if he right. runs for 50, you know, that's a net of 30. I think they might have a back get 32, 35. They need to stop counting that. Um, they don't count sack totals in the NFL. Uh, but also Houston doesn't have like – a lead running back. Right. They have three running backs. Yeah, it's running back by carried. committees. So, yeah. I mean, that's another reason why I would just lean Tune there. Not not necessarily because I think Tune's going to run for 100 yards, um, but if they all run for 45 and then Tune gets 50, of course, that'd be a pretty good day for them, 200 yards rushing. Okay. Sacks by Texas Tech. Houston allowed four against UTSA. Over under four and a half. You had how many did you have against Murray State? Good question. I will go to the tape. I think you uh, well, you had at least two with our guy Philip Bleedy. Right. Gambling Gaucho's athlete. And I believe you had two. I think you got four against Murray State, maybe. That sounds right, but I'm double checking. So I would I would lean over here. Um and if we think they're gonna play with the lead, Toon's gonna be throwing a lot. So I'll say yeah. I'll say over four and a half, um, even if that's what Tech did last week. I, I mean, I have no reason to believe if the game plays out how I think it will. And, and I guess I'm betting with all these prop bets on how I'm going to pick the game later. But, yeah, I would say over. Yeah, you had four sacks against Murray State. First half against a very mobile quarterback who you almost sacked more times. But Right. I, I'm going to go well, over. The second for, guy was only one of seven. Yeah. I'm going to go over the same reason. I think the passing volume, if the game is going well for Texas Tech, U of H should be throwing it a lot. If you're throwing it a lot behind a not-so-good offensive line, that lends itself to sacks. So I'd say over four and a half, which would be a great day by Texas Tech. 
Team total rush yards for Texas Tech over or under 120. It's a pretty big number. The number in and of itself doesn't necessarily depict a great running game. If you do that on 30 carries, that's not stellar. Four yards per carry. But UTSA was not able to really break through on the ground. So over under 120 yards rushing. Um. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say over. Slight, slight over. I mean, I think they're going to try to establish the run and run the ball, and they have some dynamic athletes. So I think it'll be snug. I think that's a good line. So I'll say over. A lot of teams use the run to set up the pass. They draw more defenders into the box, draw the safeties a little bit shallower, and then hit people over the top. I think this could be the opposite. I think Zach Kelly is so good at scheming the passing game. I think you might wind up facing a lot of pretty empty boxes, and you might be able to use the pass to set up the run, especially if you're playing with a lead or in a close game and you're you know, pretty open on offense. I could see some favorable matchups for both Taj and Sir Roderick. I've been bullish on Texas Tech for all of these prop bets, which maybe is yeah, not same. a good sign. But I think I'll take the over because the under to me says you had no success running the ball. You're throwing it a lot. And if you're leading the game in the second half, that really shouldn't be the case. Yeah, true. But And I – look, were you still throwing the ball late against Murray State because that's your identity? Or because you needed Donovan and Barron to get reps. I lean toward the latter. So I do too. Um, but Kitley has just been so consistent in his play calling that a, a lot of these passes he calls are schemed to be wide open and are basically runs. I mean, the throw to Sir Roderick where everyone gets run off and he throws it over there. By the way, there were some looks. I went back and watched the game. There's some looks with Duran Bradley, jet sweep, and um, there was one where everybody pulls and there's a jet sweep, so all the linebackers crash, and then you throw a seam for a touchdown. Um, just incredible play calling, play design. Uh, but I, I think that Zach Kitley knows he can run the ball, wants to run the ball, but I just think how the game plays out, it's not going to be like 200 yards rushing. Which I know is a big gap between 120 and 200. We talked about it in the Murray State recap, but you barely utilized perhaps your most dynamic offensive player, Miles Price, who can line up in the slot. He's carried the ball a few times in his Texas Tech career. So all the ways that he's still yet to be utilized, what could that possibly open up for Zach Kitley in the offense? Yeah, and you know what? You just unlocked something. And I said Duran Bradley doing the jet sweep. I... I don't think they're going to force the ball to Miles Price, but I think they'll be more creative getting him involved this week. Um, you might you might see some reverses and jet sweeps and all that stuff. So I I think involving more than just the running backs, and then you also have Donovan. I I think I would say over. You talked me into it. Okay, that was the last prop bet I had. Did you have any? Uh, I was going to ask take three, yes or no. 
I'll say no just because I think Houston, their play calling versus UTSA, very conservative. Yes. I hope that you can get into the backfield and, like I said, strip sack, force some bad throws. Do you get all the way to three with the way they play ball? Seems hard. If they were more aggressive on offense, I might I might say yes, but I'll say no. Uh, Donovan Smith, four and a half passing touchdowns. Under. Because I think if you're in the red zone, I think you'll try to run it. You have the personnel to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Baron Morton, touchdown pass, yes or no? No. If you gave me a prop bet on Baron Morton snaps played, or how about drives played, I would say I would say he does not play a full drive. I don't know how many plays to set this total at. I think, I think he he'll might play a full drive. I think he might make an appearance. I don't think he'll play a whole drive. Well, unless you're up by 35 in the second half, which... Well, if he's playing, he's going to play. Gotta he's play. not going to come in for a play. I, I don't agree. I think they might have put a two-quarterback package out there, something like that, for a couple plays. I don't... Okay, will, will he play quarterback? Not for more than okay. a play or two. Uh, I would take the over on four and a half touchdowns being thrown. Uh, probably slight under. I, I think Donovan could get four. And then maybe Baron comes in and throws one. So yes, over yes, no under yes, on mine. Okay, Big Twelve picks. Yeah, and if you're uh, doing some gambling, right, we get a little overextended. Maybe if you're a, a college teammate and a bookie's looking for you. Is there anybody you could call to? Maybe pay your employees in the meantime? Yeah, I would hit up Diversified Lenders, diversifiedlenders.com. Red Raider owned and operated. They will help you and your business get the cash you need to operate now. Thank you to Diversified Lenders for your support of the Gambling Gauchos. And a lot of people coming into the game this weekend, coming in for the game this weekend who weren't here for the Murray State game. Yep. Need to gear up, go to Cardinals. Plenty of time. Game is until three, so check out Cardinals in the morning, early afternoon, and get you a hat because uh, I guess it'll be sunny. If you need a new polo, jersey, anything like that, Cardinal Sports Center here in Lubbock. Okay. As per tradition, we'll do the tech game last. I'll just go in the order they pop up on action for me. The biggest game of the week, if you were to go off of brand size, and not quality of football for the viewer. Alabama is going to Texas without their band. Right now, showing that on action, Alabama favored by 20, total at 65 and a half. What say you? Yeah, so I told you I was locking this in uh, the total um, Sunday. And it opened at 56 and a half. So... Incredible move by me. Credit to me to get it there. I will take over 56 and a half. Um, I would lean Alabama, but I'm not going to lock that in. But I am hammering the over, um, especially because I got it at 56 and a half. I think I said on our last episode that the first half play might be a good one on this. You did. Usually the first half is... Just a touch more than half of the total spread. So in this one, it's 20. might usually be like 10 and a half, maybe 11. It's 12 and a half. 
I still like it. I think they'll be up by 14 at halftime, at least. I think so, too. I just wonder, like, okay, can Sark – like my old high school coach used to drop the first 12 plays of the game. Right. Can Sark just scheme a brilliant dozen or 15 plays that puts Texas on the board their first two or three drives that keeps it close in the first half? No. <laughs> Give me Alabama. Okay. And I guess because the line has moved so much in favor of the over, I'll now take the under at 65 and a half. Try to get some buyback. If it moved nine points, I mean, that's extremely significant. I'm going to take that first half 12. You talk okay. me into it. Which it leads me to say that I'll probably get on the 20, but not yet. Interesting, heavy, heavy lean. Interesting line movement on Mizzou visiting Kansas State. It was eight and a half this morning when I posted on Twitter that K-State minus eight and a half might be the lock of the century based on a horrendous video put out by some Mizzou students a decade ago. Yeah, people are saying that everyone's fading you and that's why the line has moved back. Yeah, and it's moved a point in Mizzou's favor. It's now seven and a half. I'm going to kind of emotionally hedge on this. I want K-State to win and cover, but because that's saying over a touchdown, I, I wish I would have gotten it eight and a half. I'm going to take Mizzou plus seven and a half and hope that I'm kind of wrong because I'm pulling for the Wildcats. I was hoping that this line would get to 10 so I could take Mizzou. Um, I'm fairly comfortable at seven and a half taking Kansas State. Now, generally you try to get through that. I'm going to take the over tonight because I think this game will be, you know, 28-38 or whatever it finishes at. Um, but I'm, I'm going to hold off on this line. I'm going to try to get closing value. If it blinks under seven, I'll hammer it. Uh, but the play I'll make tonight is, is the over. Okay. Iowa state at Iowa. Total is only 40 and a half. Pretty low total there. Cyclones three and a half point dogs. Now Iowa already played what might be the most bizarre game of the season. Absolutely crazy. I have no idea what to make of this, and I never do, because even last year when Iowa State was preseason top 10, they kind of laid an egg versus Iowa. It's impossible to pick. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know, man. This, I'm not putting down real money on this, but if I was, I would not touch no. this game. Uh, I... I'm leaning under and I'll take Iowa State. I'll take Iowa. I just, they have not lost to Matt Campbell. It might only be by three. Yeah, trends. Yeah. Like that's not, I don't love that. I, mean, I, I hate this, but I don't know. I just, I just don't know what else to do. So I'll take Iowa minus three and a half. I might wait to lock that in until a little before kickoff in case it yeah. moves a little bit. Because three and a half, yeah, I don't know. Uh, an actual Big 12 conference game, Kansas versus West Virginia, a.k.a. the Jay Daniels Bowl. Oh, man. Jalen Daniels and the Jayhawks, they look sharp against one of the worst FCS teams in the country. To what extent does that translate versus actual FBS Big 12 competition? We'll see. I thought them being a 13-point dog, it's now 13.5, was a, a decent amount of respect. You know, that's not super close, but it's also – they've been far worse than that over the years. So, I think I'm – until Kansas proves it against a Big 12 school, I'm going to go with West Virginia. 
If it was 14 and a half, I might not. But at 13 and a half, I think I like it. I love Kansas here. But in Morgantown, I think that that is a, a big issue for Kansas, having to travel. I think they'll be pretty good at home this year with that incredible crowd, you know, uh, that Lawrence puts out. Uh, but I've been saying for like three weeks now, That uh, the trend is the over and the opponent's line. So I'll take it. I'll take the over at 60, and I'll take West Virginia minus 13 and a half. That's how you make your money. Kent State goes to Norman to play Oklahoma. 33 and a half point dogs right now on action, over under 72 and a half. So we went from 40 and a half right. to all the way up to 72 and a half, going from Iowa, Iowa State to Kent State at Oklahoma. I mean, I'll uh, I'll take the 33 and a half. This is one of those that I've generally stayed away from in the past. I've told myself this year, hey, if the line's back is if the line's that big early in the season, it's for a reason. Just just bet the favorite. You're taking the favorite. Yeah, I'll take Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with Kent State. Okay. Plus the points. I don't really have any more analysis. Shout out to Andrew Souter. Um, Arizona State at Oklahoma State, another Power 5 on Power 5 matchup in the Big 12. I'm lumping in Houston with the Power 5 because they're they're on their way. Close enough. Oklahoma State, 11-point favorites in Stillwater. Total set at 57.5. Not a very high total for a team that just had a combined total of, what, 111 against Southeast Missouri State. That's a little curious. I don't know how people feel about that. What do you think? It's very curious. Um, I'll take the over 57 and a half. I, I, I'm not going to touch this line because I think Oklahoma State will try to prove some things after how last week finished. Um, but I just don't know how good they are. Like, is the defense good? Is Derek Mason a, a good replacement? Is, I mean, are, is Spencer Sanders, can he put together four second quarters like he did last week? Because then he's a Heisman candidate. Um, so I'll, I'll wait for Oklahoma state to show me something before I start betting their lines, but I'll, I'll take the over just for the sake of betting something on every game. Okay. I'm picking Oklahoma state to cover. I think it's kind of a prove it moment. Yeah. I think they took their foot off the gas and they're not going to do that against a power five opponent, or at least if they do, it won't be till much later in the game. So it's in still water. Mm-hmm. Big 12 game of the week. I'm skipping Tarleton Savers TCU because I don't see a line on action. There's no line. There's no analysis to be had there. Tarleton money line? Yeah. <laughs> Big 12 game of the week. Baylor, number nine in the country, goes to number 21 BYU. This is where college game day ought to be, but they would rather watch one brand lose by 20 to another brand. More power to them. The Bears getting three and a half in Provo. A little bit of a revenge game. Baylor law, uh, B- Baylor beat BYU in Waco last year. So BYU, three and a half point favorite at home, looking for revenge. Total only 53 and a half, not a very high total. But also two teams that don't necessarily try to um, right, yeah. air it out, you know, run up the score, anything like that. So a lot see. of familiarity here. Uh, Kalani uh, Sataki. Sataki, uh, the head coach to Grimes. Grimes leaves, goes to Baylor. 
Um, so there's some familiarity there. They know the system. They both run the same system. Uh, and defensively, you can also look at Grimes and say, hey, I, I know what they're doing. They are doing a lot of what I was doing. So I was listening to Locked On Baylor. They had a crossover episode with the with a BYU podcast. Yeah, I didn't put this connection together, but Zach Wilson at BYU, um, a, a famous Cougar, he was coached by Jeff Grimes at BYU. Yep. Now at Baylor, of course. And the best kind of comp that they had for Blake Shapin was Zach Wilson. So I think Jeff Grimes obviously very comfortable coaching that type of talent. Great arm. Yeah, Zach Wilson was a Heisman candidate through most of the season. And you might see Blake Shapin kind of showing up on some of those lists soon. I, I had him uh, preseason first team All Big Twelve, so I'm a, I'm pretty high on Baylor this season. This is a tough game. I think I think with the hook there three and a half, I like it. When it opened at like one and a half two, I was I was just antsy. I think at three and a half, I like it for Baylor. I was antsy too, and because I've locked it in already, I'm not going to change it. Um, I jumped on the one and a half, uh, but like you said, I. I'm much more comfortable at three and a half to Baylor. Um, that is a really thin margin, but I think this game is going to be close. But BYU at home, that's the edge. I think yeah. they're really evenly matched. Um, I think BYU will be the only team to seamlessly fit into the Big 12. I think the other schools will have a little bit of a grace period. Um, though Cincinnati looks good against Arkansas year one, so we'll see. Uh, but I but I am on BYU minus one and a half. Okay, Texas Tech Houston line kind of open all over the place, moved a little bit. Now it's kind of settled right at three. Texas Tech the favorite at the Jones. They've got an opportunity, Rob. Houston ranked number twenty five to notch their first win against a ranked opponent since twenty nineteen when nineteenth ranked Oklahoma State came to the Jones. I don't have a score prediction. Um, but if I did, it would be something like, I don't know, 42, 42-31. Let's just lock that in. 42-30. I think Houston will score. Um, but I think Texas Tech can control this game. Um, and I don't even think it's – I think maybe it's a late Houston touchdown that gets it closer. Um, so 42, 31, that's a Texas tech cover and an over. I've been on Twitter saying tech by 24 since the off season. Was that a little bit exaggerated? Very perhaps? consistent from you. I, I could see it. I would love it. I hope Rob going to be a little off topic here. I hope the energy in the stadium is, is where I think it should and needs to be. Yes. I I'll, think it'll be much closer than last week. I'll be disappointed in our fan base. If we're too good to play Houston, just like Mike Leach. And, you know, we're not amped up and it's kind of a ho-hum crowd and that allows Houston to stay in it. Because there was some energy there for Murray State. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, this could be a tough place for teams to play, especially with the way Kittley's offense is going early in the game. I hope that Houston blinks and it's 14 nothing, and 60,000 people are going freaking nuts. If that happens, yeah, tech by 24. If it's too hot outside and all that crap, and it's fifty-five k, and you know you stumble out of the gates a little bit, look, I don't think Houston's a bad team. I think they've got deficiencies. I think you've got deficiencies. I think you could win the game by twenty-four. 
I'm not really going to back off that prediction, but it, you know, if we win by 21, I'm not going to be like, oh, I was way off there. I think you could beat them handily is kind of the main point I'm getting at. I think you'll win. I think you'll cover. And I think you're going to score a lot of points. So I'll go Tech and the over. I had it at four and a half. I thought it was going to move the other way, honestly. Where FPI has it, you should probably be like a five to six point favorite, maybe. I think it might. I think it might get back to three and a half. So it blinked at two and a half earlier today, and it's back at three. I'm going to double down. Uh, I have it at four and a half. I'm going to take it at three. So that's how I feel about it. Do you have a, a score prediction? Do you, do you want to? Will you just double down on my forty-two thirty-one and say that's close to what you're thinking? I'll go. What did I say? We're going to win by 24. I'll say 49, 49, 24, 48, 24. Okay. 48, 24. Yeah, sure. Sweet. Uh, no, we're not going to kick two field goals. 49, 24. We'll win by 25. Okay. I love it. And uh, when we do, Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine owes me lunch when he comes for the Baylor game later this season. <laughs> All right, let's run through the Discord mailbag as fast as we can. Uh, what needs to happen Saturday for Texas Tech to be favored going into Raleigh? Who does North Carolina State play? That is a good question. When I saw this earlier, I meant to look. That so is something we should know. The first half of that equation is my score prediction needs to come true. You need to look really good on all sides of the ball. Because it, it's inching on uh, FPI, it's inching closer to you. I think you started the season at about a 25% chance to win. Yeah. And now it's 35%. And that's after an NC State victory. Charleston Southern. They struggle with Charleston Southern and you look really good against Houston. I think you could get in the realm of being a, a one-score dog, like less than a touchdown. I really don't think realistically you could be favored unless you win 70-0 to and they lose to Charleston. I yeah. just don't think... What would the line for Texas Tech Houston look like if the Gaucho book had it this weekend? Well, six and a half. I mean, I know we just talked like they're going to hammer them the whole time, but you, you, you really pay attention to the FPI. You really pay attention to, to Sagarin and some of the metrics. If I was actually trying to set a line that I was trying to get, well, okay. In this hypothetical, if the Gaucho sports book had reached beyond just tech fans, because the problem is, Right. Tech fans are always going to be like, yeah, 90%. Yeah, we're going to win that game. I would, I, If I was honestly trying to set a line to get action on both sides, I would probably set it at like five. And I think that would probably bait a lot of people into picking Houston, which is what I would want to happen. Because I think even if you lose, it could be a close three or four point game. Now, I don't know anything about handicapping and what all goes into that. I'm sure there's a ton of research on. I feel like. You've been doing this long enough. You might know a little bit about it. Well, yeah, but even when we play guess look, the line, we're pretty close. The, the thing is, like, if I could start a sports book and make more money than, you know, Caesar's Palace, right? Then I would, but I can. So they have it at three. So for me to yeah. sit here and say, oh, it should be five, like they live in a nicer house than I do. So okay. I mean, am I wrong? No. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're not that guy, pal. If I could make money betting on sports, I wouldn't be the VP of Lubbock. Right. Well, you could. I, I feel like you've proven that you're fairly competent. I'm just saying don't okay. talk down to yourself so much. Okay. I think we're pretty good at hitting lines. I, I don't. What I was trying to say was I don't think it's much different in our opinion line-wise because what you think is going to happen is not what the line would be. 
Right. Because yeah, here, you're, you're trying to play both sides and everything else. Here's what I always go back to as a rule of thumb. On FPI, if their score prediction is – or their matchup predictor is 75-25, that's usually about a touchdown favorite. Now, maybe it's six, maybe it's eight, but it's usually about a touchdown. If it's 50-50, be a pick em. So, just doing some rough math. If you were right in between 75 and 50, it'd be three and a half. Since you're at 65, you're closer to 75 than you are 50. It should be more in your favor than three and a half. So, I would say four and a half, five. What's the best movie that has sports in it that is not a sports movie? Die Hard. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah. Good one. What's the sports scene in Die Hard? Doesn't he have a baseball bat at some point? Maybe so. It's a, it's a <laughs> I'd loose I have to connection. go back and look. I, it's been a long time. The Big Lebowski? Bowling. Have you ever seen, uh, just talking about sports gambling, have you ever seen the Matthew McConaughey, um, uh, what is it, Two for the Money <laughs> with Al Pacino? No. Oh, man. Do you know who Stu Finer is? No. Uh, last question. Why does Rob hate the Waffle House and why is his reasoning stupid? Many are asking and it's, it's, it's sad and disappointing, but you hate Waffle House. so I'll take this opportunity to, to clarify. Because we didn't get enough clarification on the radio today. Yeah, we didn't. Well, you know, not everybody listens to the Radio Land with Ryan Hyatt and Rob Bro um, weekdays eleven to one. And soon, spoiler alert: soon to come, the Rob Bro Show. Let's go for the hour. Kind of a post game to the Radio Land. Um, I don't hate the Waffle House. I, I think it's wildly mediocre, and the people who like it are overboard. I mean, it's fine. And we certainly don't need one in Lubbock. I just, I call it, like I said, I used to be all in on uh, getting a Papa Dose to Lubbock. All in. But oh, first of all, why do we need another chain restaurant in Lubbock? Second of all, I waited for, they gave, they told me it was a three-hour wait to get into Papa Dose. Last time I was in Arlington. Empty restaurant. So I vowed off Papa Dose. That was completely unrelated, but... Waffle House is just fine. Like, I don't get the... Do you want to know what your problem oh, it's is? it's amazing. Oh. You, want to, you want to know what your problem is, Rob? I got a lot of problems, but you tell me what you're thinking. You're trying to assess Waffle House in like a vacuum where like, okay, hang on. Let me get through this point. Like, okay, if everything were open and I could choose anything I wanted, where would I go eat? The answer to that is never Waffle House. But the people who want to go to Waffle House, it's 2 a.m. They go to Waffle House once every two years. And it's kind of like a let's do it for the the charm, for the experience. They're not saying like let's do this because it's such a high-quality establishment where we can get the best food in the cleanest facility with top-notch customer service. I get it. Go it's to IHOP like, on 19th University. It's the same thing. Okay, did you ever do anything stupid as a kid? Like, <laughs> Okay, so I lived in, in the Round Rock area. And the town is named Round Rock because there's an actual Round Rock in the middle of a river. You're cosplaining so hard right now. <laughs> and so we would take tortillas and you'd throw them off the bridge and try to get them on the rock. Now, is that fun to do? No. But it's like what you did. Would I take that over like going to do something actually fun? No, of course not. But it was like for the experience, it was like, okay, this is our combined joint you know, experience that unifies us as kids in Round Rock. 
it's like Waffle House. Okay, we're so what's, dr- wrong, what's wrong with IHOP? We're drunk at 2 a.m. Let's go to Waffle House. It'll be funny because like it's not a good restaurant. Are you too good for Whataburger? No, like you do it ironically. But you're grading Waffle House in a vacuum. I'm with a 33-year-old man. Why do I need to be drunk at 2 a.m. at Waffle House? I'm not saying you need to be. I'm just saying it's a good option if you're if you fit that audience at any point in time. Do you fit that audience? Currently, no. Maybe in a few years. Have I been to Waffle House? Yeah, I thought it was clutch. It's also clutch if you're. Uh, I've been to Waffle House. I, 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 if you're driving overnight down an the interstate, appeal. there's not a ton of options. It's like a gas station hot dog that's been out since again, that morning, or Waffle House. Again, there's not a lot of options. Is not a positive. It is when there's not a lot of options. Okay, well then. That's what I'm just saying. Like, yeah, if you could go to any restaurant in the world, you would never pick Waffle House. When it's 3 a.m. and you're on the middle of I-10 in Mississippi and there's a Waffle House next exit, yeah, you go to Waffle House. I go to Whataburger. And I don't really like Whataburger anymore anyways. They sold out. I uh, loved that you forgot Oklahoma State won a Big 12 championship and then came back from the break and totally robfuscated said, oh, that no, they don't want a Big 12 championship game. That was You're gaslighting me into oblivion. I didn't come back after the break. We said that in the same segment. I knew it. No. You forgot. They won in 2011. No, I didn't. They went 12 and 1 in a fraud conference. How was it a fraud conference? Because they had 12 to whatever it was, 14 years of conference championships. And then they were like, never mind for four years, five years. And then they went back to conference championships because they were frauding themselves. No, 2010 would have been the first year without a conference championship, right? Because you had. Right. You had only 10 teams. So they won it the no, second they, year. Whatever it was, 2010, 2011, whatever it was. I think I think 2010 was the last year everyone was there. Oh, yeah. So it was still – no, yeah, you're right. So 2010, there yeah. was a Big 12 championship game. And then 2011 was the first year – like, it's just a fraud championship. So, so nobody won a Big 12 championship in the in that stretch of – what was it, 2011 through – They were – What, 2016 or 17? No, they, they were awarded Big 12 championships. Yeah. They didn't win them. So did anybody ever win a Big Ten championship before they went to a division format? Did they have a division format previous to that and That's then not the bail on it? That's not the question. That's my clarification. That's not how that works. <laughs> it is. No, it's not. Ohio State. You can award them a big t- – do you want – okay, Gundy fan over here. I'm not awarding it to them. They had the best conference record. That's yeah. how every conference – Your aim name was Gundy Fan 6969 while you're throwing tortillas and round rock. That's how every conference awards – a conference champion if they don't have a division format. In my opinion, I don't know why you're so hell-bent on making me correct my opinion. Because facts are facts and opinions okay, are opinions. Okay, Evan Shapiro, whatever his name is. Evan Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Who's Evan Shapiro? I don't know. Oh, he's the uh, Miami uh, booster guy. I think those conference championships in that era are less than the other ones. I don't care if you think that. They have the same conference championship <laughs> rings, banners, and bowl appearances as the ones who won a conference championship game. Not in my heart. I, and that's what I'm grading on. I don't care about your heart, Rob. Final thoughts? I do care about your heart. <laughs> Final no, you thoughts. Um, no, you You're trying to rile me up every episode. You don't care about me. Well, I was disappointed at the blatant Rob fiscating today. I wasn't. <laughs> I was listening, dude. I was. We've had a podcast together for a year. You've never heard me say that? No. 
I was going to lunch and you said, yeah, no, uh, he's not the best coach in the Big 12 because he's never won a Big 12 championship. Okay, and I that's texted, not how I that's That how is I what you it. said. That is what you said. And I texted and I said, he won one in 2011, which was a legit point. And then I added on that you were Rob Fiscating and said it was sad and Hyatt read the whole thing. And you were like, no, they've never won a Big 12 championship game. And I was like, that, 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 that's not what was said. That is what I said. No, it's not. And I wasn't saying that Gundy was not the best head coach. I was just posing that Aranda is the only one who'd won a Big 12 championship game. So Bill Snyder, he won a Big 12 championship, or split a Big 12 championship in 2012 with OU. Yeah. He won one Big 12 championship game over OU prior to that. Uh-huh. That doesn't count? Well, we're talking about current. He's not current coach. Well, I'm just saying. What do you mean it doesn't count? He has one Big 12 title. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. He has one in both formats. He was awarded a split title, which is dumb because oh, hey, they beat OU now, in Norman. <laughs> don't don't start giving facts like I'm saying something bad about Bill Bill Snyder. Bill Snyder's an all timer. He's a goat. He has two Big Twelve championships. He's got one and a half at the very least Big Twelve titles. They beat OU in Norman. It's not even a split title. It's like when he Baylor won. He won one Big Twelve title game. When Baylor beat TCU, they had the head to head. That should count. Hey, like, Oklahoma State was the best team that year, and if they would have had a. a a conference championship. This is more me protesting the Big 12 uh, and their fraud history. Flawed and fraud than me saying anything. I don't know why you're coming to Gundy's uh, defense here. I'm coming to the defense of the truth. Oh, my God. Which is that he and the Oklahoma State Cowboys were the 2011 Big 12 champions. Well, will you explain it to me like I'm an idiot so I feel demeaned? and? Uh, well, yeah, because okay. <laughs> yeah, you use your platform on the radio to gaslight everybody. And then when somebody tries to check in, you're like, oh, no, that's not – how dare you condescend me? Well, hey, why don't you call – that phone line's open. Call in instead of text. How about that? I and, can, then, and then you can – I can and then just you call can the say, same number? No, it's, it's uh, uh, 699-5326. Y'all wouldn't dare let me on the radio. Call him. Uh, next week, starting at 1 o'clock, you can call in every day. You might even show up on a Friday, huh? Yeah, I might. Another piece of foreshadowing. Do we have any uh, <laughs> ad reads left? I don't think so. I think we covered them all. Oh, we got them. Good luck on your bets this weekend. And to uh, pick them, week two. Yeah, join the pick them. We had 117 entries, one perfect score, 10 for 10. Uh, that's posted on our Twitter. We'll kind of keep retweeting that so it stays at the top. Deadline is kickoff basically on Saturday morning. We'll we'll probably close Friday night. Oh, we can close Saturday morning because we'll be at the kickoff show, tailgate show. And join the Patreon. Seriously, we just did a hilarious interview with Rodney Blackshear. Amazing insight and stories there. It's five bucks a month. A portion of proceeds go to the Matador Club, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. And you get access to the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server, which is a ton of fun.